Good evening, brothers and sisters. How are you today? Okay. Weather is slightly better. A bit of clouds, not so hot. Yeah. So, uh, we have two new friends here. Uh, would you like to introduce our name? Jamie. Welcome, welcome. Uh, and uh, Mabel. Mabel. Uh, I came last Tuesday for the meditation call. I see. Because we came Thank you for allowing me to Welcome. <coughs> uh, your father, English, is it okay? Oh. Uh, it's okay. It's okay? Ah, okay. He he speaks Mandarin. Yeah. Hokkien. Cantonese. 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 I will do the translation. Yeah, just a bit of uh, overview for y'all who just came. This is the commentary. The Ru Pusa Singlet. Yeah. The the original text is actually was actually written by uh Shantideva. Yeah. So then it was uh translated to to Chinese and then uh twice actually, two there are different translations, but and then for the English translation, um, it is even more modern, yeah, in the modern times. So there are different translations that we can find. Yeah. Um, the the text that we have is one of the translation. Yeah. So what we usually do is that we have <coughs> the Chinese text, and then I will mainly explain from the Chinese text, and the English text is more for reference. Yeah. So, uh, currently, we are at this chapter, uh, under chapter 5, uh, Guarding Alertness or Mindfulness. Uh, so, there are two parts in the Chinese translation, Zhen uh, So, uh, Right Knowing and Right Mindfulness. Uh, so, there are these two parts to it. Uh, so, <coughs> the whole the whole commentary actually has uh, multiple uh, verses. Yeah, they are all in verse. Uh, and then uh, oftentimes there are metaphors and uh, analogies. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the gist of the sutra is about uh, bodhisattva practices. Yeah. Have you heard of bodhisattva practices? I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Earlier in the in the series, um, 
Ang Lee, Ang Lee asked the question, is this relevant for beginners? Yeah, I think uh, while he's the one who asked, I think others have this question as well. Yeah. Is this relevant to uh, beginners? And even for those who are not attending this class, uh, sometimes, sometimes even, um, some people may even have this question. Is Buddhism relevant to us? Yeah. Is Buddhism even relevant? Because sometimes it does feel like uh, <clears throat> some of the aspects of the teaching seems to be very long drawn, yeah, very far away, yeah, quite far off. Sometimes it feels that way. So, um, in the course of the past how many months, we started in October, yeah, sometime in October. So, it's been some uh, seven, seven, eight, oh, October will be nine months really. It's been coming with nine months. Yeah. Uh, we managed to cover up to chapter five. That's quite a feat, really, because there was a Rinpoche who shared with me that he took one and a half years to cover up to chapter six. So we're kind of going too fast. <laughs> <laughs> but as you can see from the writing here, uh, this was what we covered last week. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, last week we came across this uh, verse here. Hershi Zhu Liang Ge Jing Fu Chi Da Di Pian Ge Shi Xie Di Dian Xie Di Ji Tong Fu Da Di so last week we went through this set of verse, and it is a metaphor. Yeah, it's a metaphor following from the previous verses about how um, instead of trying to to change everybody outside, instead of trying to conquer the world, conquer yourself. So the metaphor is, if you were to, uh, if you were to uh, try to, like imagine this this place here. Well, you don't really have to imagine, you can feel how soft and comfortable it is. Yeah? But if you were to walk on the tarmac, barefooted, yeah, it's not so comfortable. And there are many other places that is rocky, uneven, and so on. So one could imagine that, oh, hey, if you cut some square pieces of this, then you can you know, lay it outside. But who can afford to lay the whole world with carpet? Yeah? The example that is given inside the text <coughs> actually usually refers to not carpet but leather yeah leather um, so the idea is if you want to have uh, comfort you could try to lay the whole world with um, some fa fabric whether it's leather or carpet yeah, but uh, to do that will take up so much resources yeah who would actually have the means to do that? Yeah, who would have the means to do that? Um, so before I continue, uh, I want to highlight that. Um, sorry. Okay. Yeah. So when you're trying to test to see how you're trying to reproduce the clicking sound, right? Yeah. So you cannot just do recording like that. 
you need to adjust the volume up and down, like set it to the max, so that you use. Huh? While recording. Yeah, yeah, while recording. But you do No, I know you didn't do that for SGC. Yeah. Uh, how do I put it across to you? You're trying to reproduce the clicking sound. Uh, well, you don't have to record for the whole period. You can just record and then now you can play back, you can see already. Uh, if it's going to cut off, it's, it's going to cut off. Yeah, if, you're, if you are recording to do testing, you're not recording. Or are you recording for to have the whole, whole, whole class? Yeah. <coughs> so, if you are testing, then you should you should be. What is the volume setting over there? Uh -huh. Still the same. So. Well, there must be some combination that produce that. Uh, I leave it to you to go ahead. <laughs> okay, so back to that. So, uh, because it's not uh, practical to uh, lay carpet all over the world, yeah. uh, is it practical? Not practical. Uh, it's impractical to do that. So, instead of trying to lay leather or carpet throughout the whole world, Instead, then it says, uh, yeah, So instead, uh, what if you were to take, just cut out a piece of, of the ladder or the, let's say, uh, the top or the rug, and then you just put it below your boots. And by doing that, you actually, <coughs> uh, it is as good as covering the whole great earth. Covering the whole great earth. Now the parallel to this is uh, instead of trying to get everybody uh, uh, to behave the way you want them to be, yeah. Uh, if you change your mind, yeah. You if you purify your mind on your end, then uh, no matter what people say or do to you, you can still be at peace can still be at peace. Yeah. So this is actually the analogy here <coughs> about, uh, about uh, cultivating our own mind instead of trying to change the whole world. Yeah. So this was covered last week. So you continue from verse 14 downwards. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Ah. The, the, there was one part <coughs> which was covered as well. So verse 11, uh, after going back and then discussing with a friend, um, if you look at verse 11, I think this was where you all mentioned about the confusion, right? <coughs> um, I still can't reconcile the, this translation, <laughs> uh, but I may, I may want to just perhaps give more clarity into this. So, uh,
<clears throat> so, <clears throat> what do I do? Okay. Hello. Okay. Is this okay? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, this Qian Yu, uh, my understanding is, is like basically herding the fishes. Yeah. So, Qian Yu Zhi He Fang. So, uh, wherever you herd the fish, Shi Da Bu Zhao Shang. Is there a time where herding of fishes does not lead to harm? So the discussion <clears throat> in my discussion with the friend was like, well, what do you mean by herding the fish? So I believe the context is that because if this was written by Shanti Deva, uh, the 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 context within Tibet is that they don't have access to the sea, yeah. So it's probably streams, yeah, the streams, and when they herd fishes uh, in the stream. It is to catch them. It is to catch them. So regardless of what you believe, what you do, and so on, the moment you are doing that, it means that you have the intent to kill, in intent to harm. Yeah. So this first line is the. I mean, from last week, this first line is actually a question. Yeah. The moment you have this intent, it always results in harm. It will always result in harm. And as we were discussing, we were like, hmm, "Is it true that as long as you are herding fishes, is to do that?" Then when I think about it, yeah, actually, it's it's more or less true. Yeah, short of short of talking about how oh they are trying to move the fish to another pond uh, for for conservation purposes. Beyond that. Usually, when human beings hurt fishes, is to hurt them into traps, into nets, and then catch them, resulting in their death. Yeah. So in that context, <clears throat> the statement is really about how, uh, if you have this kind of intent resulting in this kind of actions, when since when will this lead to anything but pain and suffering? Yeah. And hence. 断尽恶心时，说为戒度满。So hence only when the this this、uh, bad heart, this unwholesome mind, yeah, only when it is completely eradicated, the the intent to harm, the unwholesome thought to to harm others. Only when the mind is eradicated, this unwholesome mind is eradicated. So then can you say that your precept is perfected? So last week, I I go straight into explaining this second line, yeah, which is that there are three levels of precepts. Yeah, firstly by rules, secondly by concentration, and thirdly. By the path, yeah,、uh, and in brief, for those who are who, who just join us today, the first one, yeah, uh, 律仪戒 so because of the rules, we do not kill.、Mm. 
we are, we are said to be observing precepts also. But in this case, in our heart, maybe there's still the intent to kill. Yeah. Uh, being unenlightened, sometimes we, we, we are overwhelmed by our defilements. So the good thing is that because of the precepts, while we have the intent to harm, to kill, to steal and so on, but we refrain ourselves. <clears throat> yeah, we restrain ourselves not to kill, yeah, not to steal and so on. But because we still have that intent, so while we observe precepts, it is not perfection of precepts. Yeah, not yet. Then the second level is slightly better uh, by purifying the mind to be free of greed and hatred. Yeah, uh, the, the first two of the hindrances <coughs> Uh, sen- uh, greed and sensual desire, yeah? then uh, hatred and ill will. So when a person attains concentration, enters into jhana or samadhi, then by virtue of the concentration power, the, uh, the hindrances are being suppressed. Suppressed doesn't mean eradicated. It means that they cannot be active. <clears throat> and so, uh, observing precepts by concentration is because the mind has the hindrances suppressed. Yeah. And in this way, uh, this is the second level of observing the precepts. Yeah. Now, the third level is where, through the cultivation, yeah, then a person, uh, through the practice, become enlightened. The view is purified. And the view affects the mind directly. So in this case, uh, whether a person is in samadhi or not in samadhi, the person is able to uh, live with purity in the mind. And in this case, then the intent to to kill, intent to steal and so on, is totally removed. Totally removed. So uh, in this way, uh, an enlightened being don't break the precepts by virtue of the path. In other words, actually because of the wisdom. When there's wisdom, then there's no uh, ignorance. No ignorance, then there's no delusion. And when you have no delusion about the world, from where arise greed and hatred. So this is the third way, which is the the way that uh, the precepts is bring to perfection. Bring to perfection. Perfection, and hence the statement "Duan Jing Er Xing Shi," so we jie yuan ma, jie du ma. Okay. So we continue from there. Uh, verse fourteen. For those who, who just joined today, uh, you may or may not have the text. Do you have me, Bill? Do you have the text? No. You may want to sit with one of them. Uh, huh? You can see the slides, huh? Okay. Uh, can I say that's okay? Uh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, verse 14 Ru si wu bu ke, jing zi zu wai di, wei ying fu zi xing, he lao zi qi yu. So, this is actually a continuation from the metaphor uh, of not trying to cover the whole way of carpet or ladder. Uh, but to cover ourselves, yeah, in other words, to purify our mind, yeah, instead of trying to uh, 
expect everybody to be purified. Uh, just one side note about the use of leather. Yeah. You'll find that in many uh, commentaries from India, there's actually mentioned about use of leather of animal products. Yeah. Why? Because in the Buddha's time, it was actually permitted. Yeah. The Buddha actually allowed leather footwear uh, up to three to four layers in rocky areas. Yeah. So, <coughs> uh, in modern times, uh, sometimes if monastics are seen to wear leather shoe, yeah, uh, in fact, you will notice that a lot of uh, Tibetan monks uh, I don't know by choice or not, but they would sometimes appear to be wearing leather shoe. Yeah. Uh, Chinese culture developed such that we, uh, our, our straw shoe uh, has now developed into a very well-manufactured yeah, rubber sole with the you know, look-alike uh, straps. Yeah. The original one is actually cloth and you, you have to tie and then you tie all the way up. Like those movies when you see the, the way they wear, you know, almost like a ballerina's shoe actually. Yeah, very similar. <coughs> Except that it doesn't have a pocket, you know, doesn't constrict our leg. Yeah. Oh, is it? Huh? Really? Rana adopted the star. So, in some countries, footwear. <coughs> didn't develop in that way. So like for Tibetan uh, tradition, you see them wear whatever is most uh, available. <coughs> so I heard that back in Tibet, uh, leather shoe was very common. Yeah, so it's not an expensive thing there. But then in Singapore, if you try to buy a real leather shoe, it can be quite expensive. Yeah. Uh, if you look at Theravadan monks, some traditions don't even wear shoe. Yeah. But uh, I've heard some students commented before, uh, saying that, "Oh, Sufu, I just went to Thailand. Wow, those are real monks. Huh? Wow, they live in the life. Huh? Wow, they go on kindapata, wow, barefooted. You know, wow, that one, wow, the cultivation. Huh? Wow. So, so I don't know how many of you would feel that way. Yeah, uh, but it's not an uncommon." Uh, perception because it uh, in general in Buddhism we say you know to live with little ones and so on so uh, if if people have a lot of clothes wow the monks only have three sets of clothes wow mm. then this most monks wear shoe oh this one don't even wear shoe wow but if you look trace back into the Vinaya the Buddha actually permitted shoes Buddhism is not a religion about living a life of austerity. Yeah. Uh, if a person has a lot of craving for material possession, creature comfort, then the teacher may, in order to help this person overcome such attachment and craving, choose to let this person yeah, um, for a limited duration live with minimum creature comfort yeah, and sometimes even no creature comfort yeah, just to overcome that and after that once the teacher has deemed this person to be okay doesn't have that craving anymore then you can just live as per normal as others yeah. 
So in Buddhism, all the practices serve a purpose. Not, not austerity for the sake of austerity. Yeah. Uh, it is to uh, serve as a countermeasure for some, <clears throat> some craving or attachment. So just want to highlight, um, in a way, you know, uh, there's some background to some of these these verses. Yeah. If you just read read it as it is, then it still makes sense. Uh, but there's this context of s- such usage. <coughs> so, on the on verse fourteen, 如是勿不克禁止诸外敌 So this, uh, as I've mentioned before, this 勿 this uh, is referring to I. Uh, this the Guan. Uh, they use this. Uh, sometimes they use this word, Wu, Wu, uh, as as uh, I, uh, as I. So, <coughs> so in this way, so the this verse follows from the verses before that, and it basically says that in this way, in what way, just as we don't cover the whole great earth with leather, but just have small pieces. Fixed to our shoes, in the same way, uh, we don't go and try to uh, vanquish and uh, conquer, yeah, uh, and eradicate all the external uh, enemies. Uh, we don't try to go and do that, yeah. Uh, uh, we don't try to go and um, vanquish of the whole world. Wei in fu sing only do what the only thing you need to do is to fu tiao fu the fu it means to <coughs> to tune yeah to tune to overcome this mind yeah this mind of us this mind of us that is sometimes happy sometimes not happy. Sometimes satisfied, sometimes dissatisfied. So for what purpose? Why do you want to uh, bring fatigue? Yeah, waste your energy and strength to go and uh, conquer everybody else. Yeah, to go and subdue uh, everybody. <coughs> so the. In Buddhism, we focused on the mind quite a bit, yeah, quite a bit. Uh, the very uh, famous verse from Dhammapada, yeah, that uh, all arise from the mind. Yeah. The mind is the forerunner of all. Before anything happened, the mind moved. Yeah. So, if the mind has Good intent, as pure intent, then whatever outcome that uh, follows it, yeah, that will be wholesome. So, in terms of our three types of karma, body, speech, and mind, yeah, while we say body, speech, and mind, it is actually from external to internal. So, but mind is the master. Yeah. So initially, when we observe precepts. We are only dealing with the external body and speech, yeah, body, speech, and mind. So this is what we call behavior. <clears throat> But the mind itself, until it is tamed, until it is restrained, yeah, uh, the body and speech will still be unruly. 
Hey, did you translate to your father? Ah, uh, not this time, uh. <laughs> 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 so uh <笑>啊啊攞好多嗰個啊吸氧氧啊電電子啊啊啊地精地精啊係係地精我我哋捉嚇嚇捉捉滴攞啊攞好多攞好多剪好多嗰嗰嗰嗰啲嘢啊
。阿弥陀佛。哇！呃，你知道你知唔知道師傅嘅廣東話？呃，呃，好先，呃，啊，差唔多。哎呀，你係好慈悲啊！<笑>師傅嘅廣東話好好肉好肉酸啊！誒，師傅係十誒九九歲九歲九歲睇電視機電視機電視機電視機誒睇嗰個《天龍八部》啊！哎呀哎呀，這邊沒有錄啊 ！OK， 今天用你的睇嗰個《天龍八部》學嘅誒。天天龙哈，天龙八部啊，天龙八部，天龙八部 ，OK， 呃，咁继续啊，咩啊？继续，继，明白哈？啊，我哎呀 ，OK， 那那我我用可，我偶尔讲一讲可以哈，好不好？可以吗？language language is a, a very powerful tool yeah but language can become a, a hindrance also yeah that's why um that's why this class is in english yeah uh, but many students start to think that oh sifu only conduct english class don't cannot teach in uh, in, in mandarin uh, but actually um it is because in singapore Uh, <clears throat> not so easy to have uh, monastics teach in English the teachings of uh, Mahayana Buddhism. Yeah, not so easy to find. Uh, nowadays, for Tibetan texts, is uh, somewhat easier. Yeah, because most of the Rinpoches would have started to learn uh, English already. Yeah, uh, but in the past, very few. So in the past, when I first uh, started to uh, learn. The the Lamrim, uh, in Amitabha Buddhist Center, Lama Zupal Rinpoche, he I think, I think he sometimes he will speak in Tibetan. Then someone have to do translation. Yeah. Uh, in recent years, most of the Tibet the the monks they speak some English. Yeah. Some are actually quite fluent also. So, but for Chinese Mahayana Buddhism, then it's fine for you to come by. There are increasingly, uh, but uh, not so common. No. So, Wei Ying Fu Chi Xin He Lao Zhi Qi Yu. So this is the verse fourteen. Yeah. Uh, verse fifteen. Sen Yi Ming Ding Xin Yi De Fan Tian Guo. Sen Kou San Chong Qing. Qing. Uh, so this uh, from the first part, uh, the earlier part, talking about precepts, yeah. Then over here, uh, over here talking about uh, the cultivation of the mind. Further on, yeah. So here talking about samadhi, yeah, talking about samadhi. So <coughs> this uh Fan Tian or Fan Tian. So this is actually the 
uh, in the uh, Buddhist cosmology, uh, so to speak, the worldview, uh, we have the six realms. Yeah. What are the six realms? Six realms is more common to us. Yeah. We learn about uh, heavenly, human, asura. We learn about the animal, hungry ghost, and hell. Uh, altogether, six realms. So, uh, in the heavenly realms, there, there are many different levels. <clears throat> in the form, that's the sensual desire, heavenly realm. Then there's the form and heavenly realm, and then the formless. So in the form and formless, the beings uh, exist in a state of concentration. Yeah. And why is it in that way? It is because of the uh, of the karmic seed that was planted beforehand. Yeah. And in the case of the those who are in the form and formless realm, then they have planted the seed of samadhi. Or jhana, if you will. <coughs> so here, sen yi ming, uh, sen yi ming ding xing, ding xing, yi de fan tian guo. Yeah. So, uh, if a person can cultivate uh, a mind of uh, concentration, then the, the result is you can actually be reborn in the heavenly realms among the Brahma. Yeah. In Indian religion and culture, Brahma refers to uh, the creator God. So today we think of it as Hinduism. Uh, the term Hinduism actually uh, didn't exist in the Buddha's time. The word Hinduism actually comes from the word Hindu. And Hinduism actually refers to the religion of the Hindus. But the word Hindus, then you may ask, so Hindu are referring to those who are who believe in Hinduism. Actually, no, it's the other way around. Hinduism is referring to the religion of the Hindus. Yeah. You are first a Hindu, then the religion is describing those who are Hindus. So then how come it's like that? I usually we think of it as Hindus are those who are who uh, belong to the religion of Hinduism but actually it's not the word Hindu is actually a, I think in a way it's like a misspelling or mispronunciation of the word Hindu yeah. you may be familiar with uh, the term Indochina yeah? Indochina <clears throat> so the uh, India itself like a inverted triangle then you have the Himalayas on top, uh, the, and then below that is what we call modern Nepal, and that's the Indus Valley and the Indus Basin. Yeah, so that whole region is known as Indus. Yeah, Indus. Uh, yeah, Indus River. Huh? Yeah, so the Indus Great Plain and so on. So, uh, when we look at the country, we call it India. But actually, this is uh, a link back to the earlier word itself. Yeah. Uh, last time, I don't know whether you all think about it, but I, <laughs> when I was much younger, I think about this kind of question. Like, India 
印度 how, how did they translate this? You know, Singapore, Singapore okay, fairly close then India, how did it become Indo? Then Italy, how come it become Italy? Italy. But earlier on is Italy, yeah. So when I went to Italy, then I realized that the Italian way of writing Italy is Italia with an IA behind. So when the Chinese did transliteration, it was much earlier before English became the, the common language. So they would do transliteration according to the original word, which is Italia. Likewise, Hindu yeah, is from Hindu. Or Indus, if you will. So, <clears throat> the uh, according to a Hindu lady in one of the talk, a couple of um, some five years ago, uh, she shared in one of the talk about the origin of the word Hinduism, and this is what she shared: that um, the term Hinduism is basically the Western, uh, uh, more correctly British, uh, mostly British, uh, their way to refer to the relig religion of those who stayed in this area and they are the one who give them the name Hindu yeah. and it was actually a misspelling from the word Hindu yeah. <laughs> so it's quite quite interesting how the, the thing twists about yeah. um, and the thing is that uh, Hinduism is actually a, a broad umbrella term because India itself is not as monolithic as we think uh, they actually have a lot of sub-belief and categorization yeah, but uh, the British basically, okay, the whole thing is Hinduism yeah, kind of simplify things yeah. so if you trace back from today all the way back to the Buddha's time in the Buddha's time there's no Hinduism first and foremost uh, there's also no, uh, in the early early days also no Vishnu, no Krishna and so on yeah, there was only Brahma if you look at, uh, if you go and search, look at the history of how uh, so-called Hinduism developed, the early days was basically Brahma with Brahmins. Yeah, Brahmins worshipping Brahma. Yeah, and then Brahma is the creator god. Yeah, so the term Brahma also appeared many times in, in Buddhism. <coughs> yeah. uh, but the term Brahma or Brahmin, the Buddha, when he used it, he referred to purity. Yeah. He referred to it in terms of its original meaning, purity. Yeah. Purity. And that's why uh, if you take the eight precepts, yeah, eight precepts, then uh, sometimes some centers they just use the English translation. Uh, to abstain from sexual activity. But if you look at the Pali text yeah, of Sanskrit, if you will, or if you look at the Chinese translation, earlier translation is Xing Fei Fan Hen. And that Fan is the same Fan. Yeah. Fan Hen. Yeah, it means the practice of purity. So the English, uh, the, the Pali translation of Pali, original Pali is Abrahma Charya. Yeah, brahmacharya. Yeah, so uh, ah, negation, brahmacharya. Yeah, the pra practice of a brahma. It means 
practice of purity. Uh, so in some texts, when we see fun, it's actually referring to uh, the, the, this meaning. Yeah. Uh, in this case, it's actually talk, talking about the heavenly state. <coughs> so next. Sen ko san chong qing, xin ruo nan chen jiu. So, um, if your body and speech are able to be diligent, but uh, if your mind is weak, then it's hard to uh, accomplish this. That's not mentioned about body, speech, and mind. Yeah. When you talk about precepts, it's only covering the first two. The word sila, siluo, and sila, uh, usually translated as like precepts. Uh, one of the senior Sri Lankan monks, when he came over uh, several years back, he explained the word sila. He said, sila has another meaning, and it means behavior. Yeah. So when we say right sila, it means right behavior. Yeah. And if you think about it, yeah, it makes sense. Because all the precepts uh, focuses and targets our bodily and verbal behavior, our body and speech, uh, these two kind of karma. Uh, so, for the most part, uh, precepts usually don't directly uh, directly touch on the the mind. It doesn't touch on cultivating the mind directly, not directly. Uh, although in some precepts it does. Uh, involve the mind, yeah. uh, but the observance of precepts doesn't directly require you to purify your mind yet. And hence, the first part, Liu uh, Jie. Yes. The speaker has echo. Has echo, huh? Because sometimes. Uh, you either turn down the volume or I just do this. Yeah, if I do this, is it better? Yeah. Yeah, so because uh, when they set the volume, they don't know how loud I'm going to speak. Yeah, so that's why on the spot I need to adjust. Yeah. Still a bit. Still a bit. Uh. Okay, you can try going over to. Yeah, you can hear wong, wong, wong. This is the audio feedback. Okay, testing one, two, three. Can you all hear me? Is the is but is it is this working? Yeah. Is the mic working? Yes. Okay. So is this okay? Or are you all hearing me from is this the same? Different. Huh? How about now? Is this the same? Don't, don't move. Is this the same? Hello, testing? Yeah, that's good. Testing one, two, three. Yeah. Is this no alright? Yeah. No more echo? Yeah, you mustn't move. I, and I mustn't move. <laughs> yeah. I'll remain affixed. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you.
So, <clears throat> the fact that you all are attending this class, uh, for for many Buddhists, the the whole idea of attending Dharma classes for nominal Buddhists or what I <laughs> I call form Buddhists, um, the whole idea of having to attend Dharma classes, uh, learning about the teachings is a uh, Hmm? Why do I have to do that? Yeah, because for most nominal Buddhists and form Buddhists, Buddhism is merely uh, a a religion where you you just pray long. Uh, maybe first and the fifteen, you take vegetarian food. Don't ask so much as food. <laughs> or maybe once a week or twice a week, and then birthday maybe go on vegetarian diet. For lunch, dinner, I must have a sumptuous dinner. <laughs> uh, so as a result, uh, for most Buddhists, they do they get benefit from Buddhism? Uh, very minimally. It does give them a sense of comfort, spiritual support, yeah, or emotional support in some ways. Yeah, but it, it, it doesn't help them... Uh, as I shared with some someone today, uh, a reframing of our mindset. It doesn't help them in that. Uh, in fact, sometimes it can reinforce old mindsets. Uh, sometimes it can reinforce our our view, and just pray and hope that Buddha changed the world. But if you, if if Buddhists were to look at this text and hey, oh, Noah. Quite different from our usual way of, or not not our usual way, from some people's way of praying, yeah. So if a person just learn this part here, then when you pray, you cannot be praying, oh, my boss ah, oh, give me a lot of headache. Can you please help me change him? <laughs> then it, that will not be the approach, isn't it? Yeah. Then further, then we talk about precepts. To abstain from killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, lying, or alcohol. Yeah, so, for some people, I mean, we, we covered this up to this part. It's about precepts. Yeah. For many people, the the moment they hear precepts, see it, yeah, to abstain. Wow! Immediately, before that, wow, still see sifu, uh, happy. Yeah. <clears throat> The moment we talk about this, <sighs> but if you look at the first four precepts, to abstain from killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, conduct and lying, uh, if you do any of this, it is harming others. If you kill, steal, engage in sexual misconduct or lie, it is basically harming others. So, uh, last time in the monastery, before we we let stu- people take refuge, we will we will ask them to attend a compulsory, uh, like two hour, um, like prep course. I mean, two hours is really nothing. In I know that in some religion, you have to go for a one year course before you can you know convert you know, but in Buddhism. Yeah, so yeah. 
eventually maybe we should move in a certain direction where people don't know what they are in for, you know. So when I share with them, uh, a common question that comes up is, uh, it's true, I, I can't do it yet. I don't think I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, can you give me one more year? Yeah, give me one more year. So when they tell me this, I laugh. I tell them, do you know what you just told me? What you really told me is, Shifu, I'm not ready yet. I still want to, uh, I mean, I may, maybe not one, but I may need to harm people for one more year. <laughs> so uh, that's why I'm not ready to take up the precepts. Because <laughs> as far as the first four, it's really about harming. Yeah? Whether it's human or animals or otherwise, you know. It's about consciously harming others. So, uh, so this is the this is the joke about about so-called Buddhists, yeah. Uh, although call themselves Buddhists, but they have this question mark and ambiguity. Yeah, but that, that is still just body and speech. But how about the mind? Wow, then that's even tougher. Yeah. So the fifth precept is in part about the mind. Yeah? By not taking alcohol, you protect the mind. But you don't cultivate the mind directly also. At least you prevent it from uh, retrograding. <laughs> yeah? You prevent it from backsliding. Because when the moment you consume alcohol, <laughs> then you lose your you immediately lose your clarity. Just last week I saw an article supposedly Again, some scientists have done some studies and they found that alcohol actually damages the brain in the long term. Yeah. It's not just at that moment you lose clarity, but in the long term it actually damages the, the brain. Then it's very funny on Facebook, so someone shared that. Then you look at the comments, then someone shared another one, I think by Harvard or some other study that says a glass of red wine a day can can be beneficial to the brain. <laughs> huh? Hard. Huh? Yeah, I, I thought so. But that article that the person quote somehow is about the brain also. Yeah. <laughs> Long time ago, a lecturer or a teacher told us this. He said, before you read any of those medical articles, about how this food is good for what, that food is good for what. Uh, go and check who funded the research. Yeah. More often than not, you'll find that it is by some independent trust fund. And then somehow, if you manage to go and dig further, who, who, is the, uh, who has vested interest in the trust fund? Yeah. Those, I mean, you think about it, right? If you are a scientist, you study all the way to get a PhD and then you are like so brilliant and smart, wouldn't you want to go and solve, do research into better things than, yeah, does chocolate help you with your heart? Like, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> you know? So, there's this theory la, that basically all this company is a kind of lobbying, you know? Yeah? <laughs> they basically go and uh, offer 
uh, research fund. So let's say this this group, this uh, research center, they want to get the the research fund, right? So they they may have their own things that they really want to research on on cancer, on brain tumor, whatever. But then in order to get that part, they have to do other part of other research. It comes as a package, yeah, which includes oh, how does coffee affects your your sex life <laughs> okay for example <laughs> all kinds of things right I mean you think about it you're a scientist why would you sit down and one day hmm you know what yep um, uh, for this month's meeting yeah uh, we want to do a review and I want to propose this uh, research paper that's yeah we all drink coffee let's find out how much that affects our sex life like why would uh, so anyway <laughs> When it comes to the precept number five, uh, many people find it difficult. Yeah. Uh, okay, maybe not many, but some people find it difficult. And it is this 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 thing this thing about um, sometimes it's social convention. Yeah. We are used to it, and then this it doesn't seem to bring uh, apparent harm. But this fifth precept is about pro- protecting the mind. But having said that, it doesn't cultivate the mind directly. It doesn't cultivate the mind directly. Only when you uh, do uh, concerted effort in doing meditation, then you can cultivate the mind. So if your mind is weak, yeah, if your mind is weak, then sorry, uh, you cannot accomplish concentration. Argentinian, okay. And he's been practicing Buddhism oh, on yeah. his own. On his so own. So he was writing and hope, hoping to get some guidance from some teachers. Okay. So one of his um, uh, difficulties that he expressed was what you mentioned, that uh, he can, he can uh, follow through the, the early precepts, the one, uh, three, four, five. Okay. But on five, when it comes to drinking, he said it is so difficult. Ah, okay. Because they are brought up to enjoy a glass of drink before dinner. Ah. So it's like what you say, it's a more of a social, happy thing. Mm. Um, <coughs> and he was wanting to, to know how he can actually uh, improve himself from from not engaging in alcohol. Mm. So it was quite interesting when I was reading it. Mm. So, I, I kind of also commented last. Uh. So don't take the fifth step. <laughs> no, not for now. <laughs> 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 what? <laughs> uh? Do the first four first. Wait, 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 wait. To begin with, he is trying to observe it. And he's asking for advice on how he can further to strengthen his view. To, and then you, you tell him, it's okay, la, don't observe it. 
Huh? But it's very difficult if you have to observe all the eight. Wait, wait, do you observe? No. Who asked you to observe all eight? Just observe five first, ma. Yeah, well, the alcohol is a six, right? No, number five. Number five, I thought it's inclusive, ma. So you can't observe four. <laughs> wait, wait. Progressively. The question is, do you observe number five? No. I try to observe the first four first. Uh, <laughs> so, again, I must highlight... Uh, Precepts, <clears throat> if you observe one part of the precept, then you have one part of the merit. If you observe two parts, you have two parts of the merit. Uh, so it's like, if you, if you consider five precepts, if you consider them to be of equal weightage, then if you observe all five, then you get 100%, right? Now, maybe for number five precept, some of us, for whatever reason, social, habitual, and so on. Yeah. We currently cannot fulfill it. Uh, so this is our, our own uh, current state, limitation, if you will. But we shouldn't then reinterpret the precept and then say that, <laughs> actually, it's okay, la, you cannot do it, <laughs> don't do it, quest. Not yet. Uh, but there are those who even say that, oh, uh, it's okay, you can drink, just don't get drunk. Uh, <laughs> it's not about whether you get like, drunk, drunk. Yeah. Because just one sip, one mouth, you, you, you actually get intoxicated already. It's a matter of degree. Yeah. The degree of intoxication. Yeah. So, uh, maybe you want to log in tonight and quickly say that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you wrote that email, uh. Yeah. Uh, uh, no need to take all. Yeah, uh, Oh yes, yes, of course. In Buddhism, it's always voluntary. So if you cannot take it, you cannot take it. Nobody can force you to take it. Uh, while nobody can force you to take it, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, it boils down to this. Uh, what is important yeah, to us? What, what do we uh, prioritize and value? Uh, even if we don't talk about number five precept, if you look at the first four, <coughs> the number four precept on non-lying, yeah, on telling the truth, Many students would then ask, how about white lies? Yeah. What about white lies? Uh, I haven't encountered anybody come out of an, a case or an example where yeah, you honestly die-die had to tell a lie. A common retort would be, oh, Shifu, but if now somebody want to kill another person, what must we say? Well, I'll tell you, yeah, question is, 
how often do you encounter this anyway? Yeah. So, uh, oftentimes, let's say for precept number four, it is actually about whether we value truth over the relation. But when we say that it's over the relation, it is only partially correct. Usually, it's actually a matter of convenience. Because sometimes, let's say someone asks you a question, but you're not supposed to say it. But then the reasons why you're not supposed to say it is maybe socially awkward, yeah, politically incorrect. So instead of spending the time to explain everything, we choose to just tell a white lie. And maybe say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, when uh, they ask you, uh, Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Because they cannot print all the combination. This one is only with first precept. That one is with the first and the second. That, that one is... Uh, you say to yourself earlier. You're supposed to say out loud, right? Which which center do you go? <laughs> which which center is? <laughs> no, like when we ask you, right? Like. 第一条件不杀生，自由菩萨又菩提戒，汝等尽行受，能持否？Then you are supposed to reply out loud. Yeah. No, no, supposed to reply out loud. Supposed to reply out loud. Yeah. Yeah, but it is actually. I mean, the 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 truth is, the truth is whether it's out loud or not. Uh. Is, is really about whether you put in the effort to observe it after that. You are in a way correct that um, there's no stipulation that says, oh, you must not kill, you must, you must not do these five things. It's not like that. Because in Buddhism, the precepts come from ourselves. Our own voluntary uh, decision to abstain from killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, lying, and taking off alcohol and intoxicants. <clears throat> so it is true. Our own voluntary wish. So um, the, 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 the point of contention uh, with that Anjatinan is that he, he is trying to observe the fifth precept. He is not trying to ask whether it is okay if he don't observe. And that's why I'm like, uh, you may not want to tell him that. Yeah. Because, do you understand quite? That guy that Ingli mentioned, he is trying to observe the fifth precept. Not that he don't want to, he's trying to. But then because of the culture yeah, that he was brought up in and everybody you know, in the society basically, and Ingli mentioned about how uh, for them it's common yeah, wine before dinner. In, in fact, in many cultures, there's this thing about drinking. Yeah. Uh, so, despite that, he is trying to 
observe the precept. So uh, instead of just telling him, I am so difficult, don't don't observe. Uh, we should encourage him, we should share with him different ways to approach the situation such that he will not feel so socially obliged to drink, that he will not feel socially awkward. Yeah. Uh, for myself, I I didn't drink after NS. Yeah, during NS, I didn't really drink also, but when I was in Taiwan, uh, the first day, the first night when I arrived, the Inche offered me tiger beer. Tiger or Anka, I think tiger. So I was like, I, I don't really drink. And I told them, I told him, I told them that I would, I would get rashes. And then he was like, yeah, right, you know, just drink. Lah. So I, in view of the impending six months, later got extended to seven months, I was like, fine, I just, so I just down it and just walk off. And I spent the next two weeks scratching my backside because I really do get allergy. Yeah. Uh, two nights before I left to come back to Singapore, uh, there was this send-off party. So uh, my, my, my boss offered me a drink. Someone else offered me another drink. So it was one tiger beer and one Guinness stout. And it was on empty stomach. Well, put it in, next thing you know, well, all hell break loose. <clears throat> uh, I think at some point, everybody was running away from me. Yeah. Uh, for more information, see me after class. <laughs> but that night, I threw a basketball. There was, there was this parade square, which is basically two basketball court. And I threw from the center line of the first court. I, there were some OCS cadets playing basketball and I asked for the basketball and everybody else who are permanent staff were like, no, don't give it to him. I was like, give it to me. <laughs> Throw it to me. And then I threw the basketball. It went over. So, court, right? I'm at half court. I went over this and went over the second court. <laughs> I don't know whether it smashed some windows or not. Uh, and then that night I broke my broke my watch, the strap. Uh, just just merely checking it and I pulled too hard, it came off. Then went to the toilet. We we, we sneak out Oh no, this is under recording uh. <laughs> Anyway, we went the whole bunch of us we went out to the pub near near to the beach. Uh, it was we are right at the south. And then while at the pub I was like sitting there and then feeling miserable thinking about going back and then crying and everything <laughs> making a fool of myself I went into the pub peed wanted to wash my hand look at the the tap hey wow auto auto tap there was water already so I washed my hands hey how do I switch off the tap hey where's the tap there was no tap so I went out and then shortly after that, I saw, I saw the dance floor. Everybody like, you know, lights were turned on and everybody stopped dancing. And someone was mopping the floor. The next day, they told they, they told me that don't know which idiot go and break the tap in the toilet. <laughs> 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 
Okay. Yeah, of course not. You think? <laughs> <laughs> I was in NS. Yeah, as a lay person, is of course. For the records, it was when Sifu was a lay person. <laughs> yeah, so ever since then, I never drank, never drink. And anytime anyone asks me to drink, I'll tell them parts of the story. If the first part doesn't work, I'll tell the second part. Second part still doesn't work, I'll tell the third part. Uh, usually the first part, sometimes I tell in reverse order. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, sometimes back then, sometimes some female friends will try to get me to drink. Then I'll just go straight to the first part. Yeah, I tell them about how okay, uh, those who want to know can ask me later. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, despite that, after that, I never touched liquor again. Yeah. After that, I never touched liquor again. Uh, during that seven months in between, we went to Taipei, drank a bit, but um, maybe it's a personal choice thing. But for me, um, taking alcohol was always a, a more of a, really for me, was a social construct. Uh, I always took it that it was the adult's drink. Yeah. Just bitter, fizzy drink for beer. Wine, I tried a bit before. Like, like I'm like, what's the, yeah, yeah, what's the big deal exactly? Yeah, but that's that's me. Yeah, uh, to me it's like soccer, because for for many guys, in my opinion, or because most guys like soccer, I must appear like I like soccer. So because when you go to a night spot, everybody drink beer, you must appear like you like drinking beer. Uh, I'm like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> Couldn't care less. Yeah, so I was always, when my, I hang out with my friends, I was always paying for the $12 Coke. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not talking about bourbon Coke, I'm talking about really pure Coke. <laughs> that also meant that some friends, after asking me out to the pubs once or twice, they stopped asking me. Because it's no fun when everybody is getting all like tipsy and drunk, and then you are the only guy sitting there. <laughs> no, no fun for them. I don't. I really didn't mind. I was really there for the company, and I and I don't mind splitting the bills as well. Yeah, but they really minded. So for some friends, they call me once, twice, and they when they realize that yeah, this guy, you can kill him, but you can't kill me because I can fight, but. <laughs> They can't force me to drink. <clears throat> so this kind of friends, or these friends who are looking for drinking buddies, or for friends looking for people to have fun in a certain way, then they stop asking me also. So oftentimes, when it comes to drinking, it's about the fact that we want to maintain that kind of friendship. So because of that, then we say, uh, cannot, but Sufu cannot help it, I must drink. So, Hokkien Ping. Yeah. So, uh, this is one part of, of it. But how about work? Then there are those who say that, oh, but Sufu, for work cannot be helped. I have to drink. So, in my opinion, unless you work with Asia Pacific Bureau, other than that, there's no reason why you have to drink. And even then, if you are inside working in the admin side, I don't think you are required to drink. Yeah. In fact, I rejected a project last time. We were supposed to do the, the back-end integration project for them. So when I 
heard about it. I was assigned for the project. Then I sat down with my boss and I told my boss that um, I'm, I'm, I hope not to be assigned to it. So he was like, they're just teasing you. La. You don't have to drink when you go there. So I told him, I said, now, what I'm about to say may not go down with everybody. And some people may feel like, wow, Sufu, even back then, before you become a monk, you are so crazy. Uh, because for me, my anger is this. Well, I'm, I don't have to drink when I'm there. I'm there. Yeah. I go in as a consultant. But in my opinion, if I want to help them do the integration, then I'm helping them to become more efficient in selling this. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, huh? Yeah, indirectly. And, and worse still, helping more people. <laughs> but that's just me. Uh, maybe that's why I, uh, you see me here like that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's always about choice. Because yeah. even at work, not just that, that project, uh, there are many circumstances where if you had wanted to drink, you could have, I could have drunk, drank as well. But I chose not to. Um, maybe, maybe for some clients, they may feel offended or what. But usually, usually, the key there are two key things. Usually, if you tell them it's about religion, they will usually, you know, hands off. Number two, um, you cannot waver. You cannot say no to them. Then then later be caught somewhere drinking, any amount. You let them see you drink once, that's it. Sure not. That day I saw you. <laughs> Go on. But the final thing I want to touch on is what I ask people. When people say that, oh, but they cannot say no to their customer. So I ask them, so really? Cannot say no. Say, yeah, Sufu, cannot. Say, so if your customer offer you like beer, will you drink? Yeah, of course, I have to drink. How about... Um, Gin? Uh, depends. How about vodka? How about tequila? How about some crazy rum? So at some point, I, I say, at some point, I'm sure you will say no. Because you, you just don't take the kind of drink, right? So I'm just saying one more drink more than you. If you can say no to rum, why can't you say no to Corona beer? Why must you say yes to that? It's your choice. Yeah. Because if you say that the principle is you cannot say no to the customer, then your customer give you one glass of pure alcohol. Are you going to drink? You kill yourself. <laughs> You're not going to drink that. Isn't it? Yeah. So uh, it boils down to uh, whether you value this practice. Yeah. So, sweet, uh, verse 16, Sui Jiu Xi Nian Song yeah. So, uh, so this part is very interesting. Yeah, so here it says, uh, so even though if for a long time you do well, recitation, yeah, you do all the chanting, and the context for this is uh, uh, in the in the Buddha's time, the Brahmins they do uh, such practice. Yeah, they recite the Vedas. 
And then the Buddhist monks, <clears throat> they do re- do recitation of the teachings also. But the way they recite and the way we recite today is a bit different. In the Buddha's time, when they do recitation of the teachings, it is to commit the teachings to memory. It is so that they can know the teachings. If you don't recite, you don't know the teachings. Why? Because there are no books. Yeah? There's no audio recorder. There's no internet to go and search for podcasts or YouTube. You either listen and then commit to memory, or else you don't know the teachings. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So whether you do this practice of doing chanting and recitation, or if you were to do all the various uh, uh, ascetic practices, yeah. uh, there are 12 or 13 ascetic practices in Buddhism, they are not meant to inflict pain and torture. I must highlight this. So this sing, all those ascetic practices um, in Buddhism, are there ascetic practices? There are. But they are not intended to bring suffering. Whereas in the initial stage, when the Buddha was practicing for, for six years uh, in the Ku Sing Ling, among the ascetic practices, uh, practitioners, or rather the, among the ascetics, uh, those practices were intended to bring pain. Do not be mistaken at all. Those practices were intended, designed to bring pain. Uh, you may say, well, why, why? How do you know? Well, because the, 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 the rationale for them to do that practice is this that they believe that all, all the experiences you have, yeah, whatever experiences or, uh, you have, painful, pleasant, whatever feeling you have, is due to past, past imprint, past karma, if you will. So, by, uh, they believe that by experiencing pain, you are bringing forward all the negative imprint in advance. And so they believe that if you can keep on doing that, one day you will use up all the painful feelings. Such a beautiful idea. But too bad it's wrong. <laughs> uh, the metaphor that they, they use to describe this is, it is just like if you have a ball of yarn, yeah, the thread, and then you hold on to the loose end and you throw out the ball. It will just unroll itself unravel itself until it is totally unraveled, then you'll stop. <clears throat> so they believe like you have two balls. One is pain, one is pleasure. And if you don't experience pleasure, you will just be there and you hold on to the, the ball of pain, you hold on to it and you throw it out, then you just keep on giving yourself pain. Pain, 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 And they believe that one day, you use it up. Then what will happen? Uh, that belief is, then after that, you can only experience from the other ball, which is the ball of pleasure. Then you will just have pleasure, have pleasure, have pleasure. Uh, at least this is the idea. Until the Buddha came, went back, sort of encountered them again, and then asked them, how much, uh, how much of the pain potential uh, do you have? 
the loan. So when you do this, how much of that potential or how much of that karma are you removing? Don't know. Okay, so how long is it going to take for you to remove everything? Don't know. So in which then the Buddha said, well, when I ask you this, you say don't know. Ask you that, you also say don't know. Ask you anything, you also say don't know. In which case then, your practice is futile. There's no basis for you to say that it will work. There's no evidence, so to speak, that your practice is going to work because you don't see any progression. Yeah. So the Buddha refuted this practice. So when we look at this over here, yeah, <coughs> in Buddhism, we do we have uh, ascetic practices? Yes. But it's not designed to inflict pain because we don't adopt such a view. But instead, uh, if, you, if, we are, if I just cite some of the practices, such as there's a practice where the person uh, do not lie down. At most, the person will sit will never lie down. Yeah, while the person is practicing one of these dutanga, yeah, he doesn't lie down. Yeah. Uh, in Chinese we call it putao tan. <laughs> so what's the purpose of this? In various commentaries it says uh, the practice of uh, always sitting is to to instill alertness. Yeah, and in particular for those who have strong craving and attachment to to lying down. Only then do you advocate this. Yeah, so the, the teacher must know the student and if the student have this kind of uh, attachment, uh, then give this supplementary practice. For you, for the next three months, do not lie down. So in some monasteries, they actually do this and they will actually sit upright to sleep. <clears throat> yeah, they can sleep, but they cannot lie down. Uh, okay, ma. Oh, ha,啊，这边，啊，这边你可以下，这边也可以下，这边可能还比较方便，这边下去直接就是厕所了，啊，好，好不好？啊，这边走这边，走前面这边，啊，然后也可以坐电梯下去，啊，好，好，好，好，
chronologically that did happen, but it is not because of the six years of extreme asceticism that he attained enlightenment. Yeah, it's not directly due to that. <clears throat> oh, crack, understand? Yeah, don't go back and then, oh, Buddha also did that. I also don't sleep at night. Oh, I... <laughs> No, okay. So here is. Uh, yeah. More correctly, more correctly, he discarded it. Uh, giving up seems to be that. Oh, because he couldn't take it, so he gave it up. He discarded the practice. Yeah, He discarded that practice. Because he found that that practice doesn't lead to anything. In fact, the description is that he, he finds that doing this practice doesn't remove suffering, actually bring more suffering. And there's no end to that suffering. Yeah, it doesn't bring suffering to an end. And because if you recall, why did he leave the palace, the comfort of the palace and his position? It was because he wanted to find an end to suffering. But when he was a prince, he didn't even have to experience all this suffering. In fact, his life was very comfortable. So he forsake that and then end up having more suffering than he had before. <clears throat> the suffering didn't decrease, it actually increased. Yeah. And that's why he saw that this is futile to no end. So he discarded that practice and then he went to, into meditation and through the practice, his mind became calm, saw his own past life, saw other people's past life, saw the pattern which is to be known today as Paticca Samupada, the 12 links of dependent origination. Yeah. So here it's saying, if even if you were to uh, do the practice of chanting and recitation for a long time, and not just that, and even practice the remainder, the other uh, various, yeah, not just one or two of the ascetic practices, but he practiced a whole mass of as- ascetic practices. Ran sing san ta but if your mind is is dispersed, is all over the place, yeah. Uh, while you are doing all these practices, your mind is thinking about this, thinking about that, and so on. Then what? For sure, be we. The Buddha says that. Uh, then this B, huh? B. So B here refers to all these practices. Yeah, you can do all these practices on the out- outside. It seems like wow, you are very hardworking. But if your mind is all over the place, then the Buddha says that those these practices will be futile, will be in vain. Yeah? It doesn't bring any fruit. Will not be fruitful. Will will be fruitless. <clears throat> So in a way, from here you can also learn. We can also learn something. Yeah, uh, even if we do practices of let's say chanting, we must collect our mind. We cannot let our mind run over the over the place. Uh, perhaps this is this message is even more uh, apparent or uh, applicable in modern day modern day, whether it's children having so-called ADHD, uh, I, I just had a long afternoon conversation about this, 
about how sometimes the way we draw the line may not be 100% accurate and sometimes this diagnosis can cause individuals to feel even more entrapped and not empowered. Yeah. And worse still, I think for some young ch- younger children, they may either become confused or they may become impressioned by this diagnosis and think that it's justified for them to behave in this way or that way. So, um, if we... Can you imagine if the whole... Just Singapore. Yeah? If just Singapore, everybody uh, just quieten themselves for a few seconds every day. Just quieten yourself for, for a while. And even when there are thoughts, be aware that there are thoughts. Just stay with the mind, stay with the breath, and not let not not let it run all over the place. I think the world will be at much peace. Yes, chanting has that effect. Uh, The practice of chanting is a very effective tool to drown away our thoughts. Yeah, because it drowns away the thoughts. However, when we do chanting, um, it can bring us to a certain degree of concentration, but at a later stage, the chanting itself must must be stopped also, must be dropped. Yeah, because in order to chant, your mind is still active. At a later stage, the mind cannot be doing two things. Yeah, it must only be doing one thing. Uh, but for most people to begin with to even do some chanting is not easier <laughs> to just sit down there and just do some chanting part of the difficulty is because we're not used to it part of the difficulty is we have doubts sit down there chant for a while hey, really uh, does it work yeah <laughs> Chant halfway. Yeah. Om Mani Padme Hum. Om Mani Padme Hum. Does this really work? Does this really work? Should I not be doing other things? <laughs> yeah. Our mind keep on running off, <laughs> having all these question marks and doubts. But before the mind settled down, so, 若不知此心 奥秘法中尊,求乐或必苦,无意中漂泊。若不知此心, if one does not know uh, this mind, this very mind, (coughs) 奥秘法中尊,so, of all the teachings that is so profound and so 
uh, revered. Yeah, uh, all all these uh, very profound and deep teachings. Uh, what is at its core is basically the mind. Yeah. So if you do not know the mind, then what happens? Uh, if if a person do not know the mind, but then on one hand do not know the mind, on the other hand, uh, wishes to have happiness, and then or pleasure, uh, or wants to avoid suffering. Yeah, you will you will find this familiar. Yeah. So in Buddhism, this 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 set is always is always there. Uh, and this, and the reason is because all sentient beings, uh, we can be different. We have uh, different goals and dreams, long term, short term, and so on. But in the in the end, we all we all seek happiness. We all fear suffering. We want to avoid suffering. But because we understand happiness differently. For a boy or a girl, young young kid, uh, they only understand suffering in terms of their handphone. So they do everything they can to go and get the handphone. And because they only understand happiness in this way, <clears throat> so when the mother or father don't let them play with the handphone, then with this ignorance and delusion, the child will look at the father and mother as the enemies. This is the person who stopped me from having my happiness. We are we are very simple people actually, and it's not just kids. Even as we grow up, we are still like that. Not too different. Yeah, it's just that besides small little toys, then we go for bigger toys. Beyond the bigger toys of things, then we go for more abstract things like positions. Uh, we even go for people. We want people to be under our control, yeah. And when it doesn't happen, we get upset. Yeah, it boils down to this. So, on one hand, we want to have happiness. Uh, we want to avoid suffering. But if we don't understand the mind properly, uh, we end up going around in circles. Yeah, and our attempt to have happiness, maybe. When we pursue it, we really succeed in pursuing what we think can give us happiness. But in the end, when we do succeed and achieve it, then it's easily lost. Over time, it's lost, and then leaving us disappointed again. Yeah, disappointed again, and then even when we try to avoid suffering, uh, because we don't really understand how suffering come about, so we just keep running around. But because the root is not removed, ultimately suffering arises again. Yeah. And that's why, if we don't understand this mind, then all our pursuits, all our wishes to have happiness, avoid suffering, <coughs> in the end, is meaningless. And we will just wander about in samsara. We will not achieve our goal. Yeah, we will not achieve our goal.
Do you all want to be free of suffering and have happiness? Say yes. yes. <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Remove suffering. Uh, quite always give very succinct to the point answer. <coughs> yeah. If uh, if if true happiness can be attained this way, then the one person who should have it is the Buddha. Then he shouldn't be giving us dharma. He should just be giving us happiness. Yeah. Then he should just be sitting there and then, okay. Come, next. Okay, come. Give you happiness, give you happiness, give you happiness. Okay, go, 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 go. Happiness already, go. Next one. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, I think, was it yesterday that I mentioned when students go overseas? Uh, oh, no, on Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. So when students go overseas, and then the sun is there. They're very kind. They ask me, what do I, do I need anything? Uh, they'll tell me about where they're going and they'll ask me, do you need anything I can get for you? Yeah. So sometimes I'll ask, tell, I'll tell them this. Uh, try to find, see whether you can go to the supermarket or the shop and help me find Nirvana. <laughs> If you can find the vana, buy it and bring it back for me. Then sometimes I'll ask them this. I'll say, you really want to get something for me? They say, yes. In that case, give me half an hour of your life every single day you're overseas. Do some... Last time, I used to say, meditate. But now I'm not so particular. I tell them, just do half an hour of cultivation. You want to do chanting, you can do chanting. You want to do meditation, you can do meditation. You want to do any practices. Yeah. If you really want to offer me, then offer me half an hour of your life every day. Yeah. Of course, now if you ask me, I can even let them do staggered, you know, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. You think about it, half an hour, 3 times 10 minutes. Who cannot do it, you know? Yeah. You just look at Facebook for a while, wow, half an hour. <laughs> Look at Facebook for a while, at least 15 minutes. Yeah. So, Gu Wu Dang San Chi, San Hu Chi Dao Xing, Chu Chi Hu Xing Jie, He Lao Jie Qi Yu. So, this is very interesting. Gu Wu Dang San Chi, so, uh, because of this, so this gu, uh, in this case means because. Yeah. Uh, gu has a few meaning. Yeah. Gu, uh, one meaning is because, another meaning is past. Yeah. So uh, after I become a monk, I learned even more Chinese. And I realized, wow, Chinese language is so interesting. You know, what is the Chinese word for story? 
So when we're in school, we just learn it as 故事, and we usually learn it as, oh, 故事 means a story. But actually, 故事 means past events. And a story is basically a past event. Yeah. 故事, yeah. Something that has happened in the past. Yeah. So interesting. Chinese, the way they, they put the phrases together. Yeah. So this 故 is referring to all the verses before. Yeah. yeah. So hence or because of that. Uh, I shall, I shall, uh, skillfully, uh, uphold, yeah, uh, 善持, uphold or maintain, and then 善护持道心, maintain what? Maintain this cultivating mind, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, 守护, uh, protect this cultivating mind, yeah. So, 除此互心界 So, this 互心界 Ah, so here, uh, if you think about precept as uh, 戒 as merely precept, then here is, is saying, uh, now, now, instead of worrying about so many different practices, precepts and so on, ah, you just have to, have to do one practice. What is the practice? The practice of protecting this mind. Yeah. Uh, Other than this practice of protecting your mind, then why go through the trouble of of trying to abstaining from other things yeah, or other precepts? What's the point of having other precepts? Yeah, but of course this is Talking about precepts in a very high level, yeah. Uh, for for let's say if you have a friend who is new to Buddhism, you cannot tell them that. Uh, if you tell them that, uh, maybe for some people may, they may feel more motivated. Wow, so simple, just protect one thing, just the mind. Yeah. Uh, but <coughs> for some people, they may get a false sense of security. Or false sense of a uh, sense of complacency. Yeah. There's a reason why the practices is uh, taught in a certain way. It's in a great, great gradual way, uh, from external body and speech, yeah. then cultivating the mind, then purifying the view. Yeah. So, uh, but so this whole set of verses is is trying to highlight. If you were to uh, do all those practices, that's very good. But if you do all these practices, but you don't take care of your mind, then why, why do you, you know, you're, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Or you, you, you go and observe precepts, you go and do this, do that, but you don't take care of your mind. Because ultimately, all those practices is to support the purifying of the mind, of the view. Yeah. So it, if while you're you're not quite there yet, when you're doing chanting, you're not quite there yet. When you're doing uh, all the other practices, you're not quite there yet. Yeah, your mind is not perfect yet, but you must start to protect it. You must not let your mind run all over the place. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, in modern context, we we are we are more used to talking about the heart in terms of emotions. Yeah. And again, I must highlight uh, not to follow our emotions so readily, not to act upon our emotions so readily. Yeah, uh, doesn't mean that you ignore the emotions or think that there's no emotions. Are there emotions? Yes. Feelings do arise. Yeah. Our emotions do come and go. And then that's the point. It comes, but then it goes also. Just as when we meditate, the leg is painful, it comes and it goes. Just as the breath, it comes and it goes. If you were to um, when the leg is painful, uh, is it okay to move? It's okay to move. But if you, if whenever the leg is painful, and we think, oh, once the leg is painful, I must move. Then, then we are like a dead frog, you know. We are like a dead frog in a salty solution, and someone put some electric boat across you and then your leg must move. If we have this mindset, my leg is painful, well, why can't I move? Can. But do you have a choice? Do we retain this choice? Do we have the freedom to decide to move or not to move? Moving the leg, moving our body, is a very trivial thing. Itchy, scratch, no problem. But do we have a choice? Do we have the freedom to decide? Do I want to move or not to move? Yeah. If we just allow ourselves to say, hey, painful, then I must move. Then we are as good as a dead, dead frog slate. <laughs> yeah. Having no choice. In which case, then, in our day-to-day -day interaction with, with others in the world, it's the same thing. When someone says something, I must respond. When someone says something that's unpleasant, I don't feel good, I must do something about it. Nothing wrong with doing something about it. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do something about it. Uh, but do we have a choice? Or Actually, we, we can have a choice. Uh, but if we, <laughs> if we just follow the emotions, then it's as good as not having a choice then we become a dead frog slate. Don't, don't go and search the internet on the, in the sutra, look for a dead frog slate. Uh. I, I just come out with it <laughs> like that. Uh. It, probably there's no such a, a metaphor. So, yes. So I can follow your explanation of cultivating the mind. Yes. The correcting the view, uh. um, is, it correct, is it right to say that an example would be uh, a view of impermanence. Okay. A view of um, uh, lack of inherent inherent existence. Existence. After the example. Yes. After the second. Yes. Good. So Buddhism is like Othello. Uh, quite simple, <clears throat> but not easy to master. Not many moves, yeah. 
flip flop. Yeah, you just uh, oh sorry, that's reverse. Othello, you just put black and white, and you just <coughs> just. Uh, we should do the practices, but in the end, it boils down to uh, observing our mind as frequently as you can. Take care of this mind. Take care of what is happening to the mind. And maybe we are not so used to it. Maybe we are not used to not listening to our heart, our mind. Don't beat ourselves to, to death also. Recognize that, okay, yes, currently I am like that. But that doesn't mean that it has to continue to be like that. Important thing is, at least once in your lifetime, in this very lifetime, don't wait until next life. Uh, we must uh, go against ourselves, go against our impulse, go against our wishes, go against our emotions. Must learn to do that. Yeah, because if you can do that once then you would have the confidence that it can be done. And if you can do it once, you can have the courage to do it the second time. And if you can do it the first and the second time, then you can have the confidence that, yeah, I can do it a third time. And over, over a period of time, you start to become more familiar with the way the mind is. You learn to, uh, in a way, manage your mind or manipulate your mind uh, in a good way. Yeah, to move your mind when you need to move your mind. Yeah, instead of being led by your emotions, you move your emotions. Learn to shift your emotions. Yeah. If you can do that, then even before you get attain enlightenment. Your confidence in the teachings and yourself have, would have improved. And then you you really benefit. You get some benefit, real benefit from the teachings, not just the oh, <clears throat> we we do a lot of chanting. Then wow, you feel very energized. Yeah, not just that. That is also good. Not just that. More. Yes, mind guard the practices. Then you use the mind to guard itself. Yes, and guard the mind also. It's only when your mind is guarded, when you are able to tame your mind, then your precepts become perfect. then your precepts uh, become perfect in the sense that the, the driving force for us to harm others is completely removed. Yeah, it's completely removed. So another question. When you say you got your mind, so the English word you got your mind, the you seems to be like separate from the mind. Here's where I'm 
but yeah. this is a almost simplistic way of saying it. Then you say the mind guts itself. Yes. Earlier on. Um, how does the mind guide itself? I know sometimes I'm talking to myself or I'm talking to my mind. Well, it doesn't seem like it seems that there are two separate entities yet that yeah, my mind is my mind. So to train my mind to guard my mind against development, I don't know how to pitch it. Uh, Can you help to explain a little bit better for me to understand? I'm very tempted to give you the short answer. And the short answer is don't think too much. <laughs> <laughs> The, train the mind, yeah. That, you know, aren't you all glad that I usually give you all the long answer? <laughs> so, yes. Yes, yes. So you see, you see, when uh, the your question is linked to the to the teaching of no self. Yeah, in a way linked to that. So the, the trouble here is uh, when we say no self, um, it, it seems to be a paradoxical statement because the person who sees this statement, who is he? Is there a self to begin with? Yeah, if there's no self, then who is reading this statement? Right? So the trouble here is uh, when we talk about no self, is it's a recognition or a realization that uh, our usual notion of a permanent, unchanging entity uh, that we call this essence as me, as self, uh, something like that truly don't exist. Mm. But there is the 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 entity that is this conglomeration of, of different things, mind and body, in a constant state of change that we call I. Artificially called I, but not the real, not really I also. Because it doesn't have the qualities of I. It doesn't have the qualities of being permanent, and unchanging doesn't have the quality of having any inherent essence and that's why it's not actually fitting to be called I yeah, because it's not I not self also but we conventionally just call it I so uh, if you were to try to reconcile this then you will find that <clears throat> you end up having to rephrase everything yeah then you have to start saying things like uh, let there be consciousness arising conscious of the different parts of the mind. Because if you were to observe, that's really what you observe. There's nothing else happening. But conventionally, we don't talk in this way. Yeah? Like when we say we, what is we? But uh, the teachings is given in the conventional level uh, without 
uh, using what we call the ultimate reality reference point. Uh, so the, the moment you try to reconcile it, then you, it appears to have this paradox. So that's why I say, the short answer is don't think too much. Yeah. Uh, it is like, without even talking about the mind, if we say, uh, uh, do not kill, Interestingly, if you look at the precepts, Panatipata Viramani Sikapadam Samadhi Yami, there's no, there's an implicit I, but no explicit I stated. So whoever is reading it is supposed to do this. Yeah, so if you were to word it differently, um, I undertake the training rule, which is in English, we usually put an I there, because this is our convention. You could, before you even observe the first rule, ask, but Sifu, if we recite this, I undertake the training rule or the precept to abstain from killing. But Sifu, no self. So who is abstaining? Then you are stuck. Even, even before <laughs> observing precepts, number one, you get stuck. Yeah, so conventionally, if you un- understand it conventionally, that's, that's okay also. You don't have to take the ultimate reality and apply it into the various stages. When you have attained ultimate reality of no self, this will be resolved also. Well, as I always say, getting a, a bachelor's degree takes takes 16 years. Why should uh, Timmy Enlightenment take any lesser? <laughs> <coughs> Let's put our palms together. Oh yes, yes, schedule. Um, next week is the last week, right, for this uh, term. Yeah. So uh, let me pull out my my calendar. Calendar. Let's give me a second. Uh, let's see calendar. So, let me just try and see whether I can do this. Yes. Okay, so uh, we are here, right? So we are now 13, 14, 15, right? So next week will be the last week. Then we are going to take a break. So we will start on 3, 4, 5, 6. 6th of July. Uh, the term will end uh, 18, 19, 20, 21. Yeah, 21 uh, of September. Um over here, I, I need to uh, be overseas, so we have a two days break here after one month. So this is the group of last week? Okay. Yeah, yes, because after last week I went back and then I, I checked the schedule, then uh, this is the 
the the the best arrangement currently. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. Next is the last session. Uh-huh. Then we start when this time? Uh, the week after. The week after. Yeah, 3, 4, 5, 6. 6 of July to uh, 18, 19, 20, 21. 21st of September. Yeah. Then the first two weeks of August will be, uh, will be, uh, what do you call that? Will be, a break also. Yes. Yeah. So, the 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 last term for the year, uh, I tentatively put it this way, so that there's a two week here and then there's a two week here. Yeah. In the end, it is actually by far that have to have shorter breaks. Because PIFAR started off later, so they need to have shorter breaks to become aligned with our with the testing class. Yeah. <clears throat> then next year's calendar tentatively. Yeah. Tenta- this is next year's calendar. Yeah, tentatively is like that. But uh yeah, if you all want, um I will I can send it to you all. Uh, yeah, as a PDF or uh, uh, image file, it's easier. Yeah. Huh? Take a picture. This year's calendar, I suppose. Uh, okay. Oh, wait, hang on. Oh, it looks quite clear actually. It's for those who are wise. But <laughs> 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 well, I guess you all need to attend more classes. <laughs> oh, hang on. Row 3 is actually the column number. No. Uh, row 3. Uh, so, okay. Uh, maybe if I show you the... So this is Monday, Tuesday, oh, Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Sorry. So the this row here is the big number. Then um, the row three itself is actually the date of the, that date, but I didn't put in dates all over the place. Otherwise, it becomes very messy. Yeah. So the number here is the Monday. Then this is Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Can. Uh, for those who want, you can send me a text. I'll send this to you. Oh. Uh, yeah. I think it's easier. Any questions? Anything to clarify? Okay. Uh, is here. The, the, the one that is in the darker shade is Paifa. That's on Wednesday. Yeah. 
the the our class itself is is actually this this one here. Yeah. Yeah. So we are now um wait, sorry. We are now here. Uh yeah, because we started off back in April for this term. So it's coming it's drawing to a to an end um here. So next week is the last day for this term. Oh. Yeah, so the weeks are vertical lines. Yeah, the columns are basically weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Quick. You do, you only have to note this. There's class next week. Okay. Then after that there's a one week break. For Thursday. Okay, one week break for Thursday. Wednesday class, no break. Okay, no break all the way until August. Yeah, so after the break, come back and we will attend class for four weeks. Then break for two weeks and then attend six weeks class. So all together will be a ten week. Alright? Yeah. Yeah, this class. Okay. Yen Xiao San Zang Zu Fanao Yen Da Zi Hui Zen Ming Lao Pu Yen Zui Zang Xi Xiao Chu Shi Shi Chang Xing Pu Sa Dao Here we meet again, may be guided and protected by the Buddha, Dharma and the Sangha. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. That's always quite quiet. quiet.